Mini episode 1266 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. You basically can't throw a dead rat right now without hitting somebody uh, in a media or governmental place that's been irresponsible at some point during this thing. There is enough, uh, you know, blame to go around. It's an interesting what-if type scenario here if you're looking at this. Like, I think all of us in a lot of different places were seething at the whole uh, natural selection thing here of, of, of all the jerk-offs going to Sturgis this year. Now... The thing of it is, is that, I mean, if Obama had been president at the time, again, I think he might have been on flimsy legal ground to try to do anything on a federal level about that. So there are certain aspects of this that have been out of Trump's hands because we are 50 supposedly sovereign states. I don't see him as necessarily being that sovereign, but you, you have the freedom of motion of a lot of these governors. And could Trump go further in some cases than he has? Absolutely, but in some cases, if he went further, I'm not sure that would be constitutional. So some of what we've had of this, in fairness, has been because we are a country where one jerk-off in one small area can create problems that the rest of us have to deal with. That's called America. Can you say with a straight face that if Donald Trump had come out from day one and said it is patriotic to wear a mask because we as Americans protect each other, do you think that Kristen Noem or whatever her name was would have allowed that? Okay, no. yeah. now that's um, an interesting Obama, point. If Obama had been president, yeah. uh, Donald Trump and people like him would be stirring up to the same people. To me, it is these things. I mean, those people, the, you know, the, the Bikers and Surges were there in part because they know Trump wanted them there. Okay, now, uh, all right. right. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I refer you back to my previous statement where I said that the mask shaming is one of the primary reasons I'm voting third party. So I, I, I yeah, of all people, yeah. don't condone Trump doing that. I concede. No, 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 no. But, but I, yeah. listen, listen, I concede that you make an excellent point that Christy Nome, who is just basically being one of these, no pun intended, mouth breathers who is trying to pander <laughs> to people uh, on stuff, you have an excellent point on that, that if Trump had been responsible on masks, she would have fallen in, in line, and we wouldn't be having some of it. Now, that is, but, and, and this is where, I guess I make the distinction, because I, I, I still hold up what I said previously about the limitation of Trump's powers. The limitation of Trump's powers as a statutory president, I, I, it, he is not, listen, he's, you, you, you accused him earlier of fascism. Uh, if he was, then there'd be a lot of these other things happening. But here's the thing, but with the bully pulpit, that's where I agree with you. The bully pulpit yeah. is where he could and should be doing more, not necessarily his statutory powers, although the War Powers Act, that's something he's played footsie with all year and not pulled the trigger on, yeah, so that's but, something. Well, but 
the one that the one that he can and should and could have used is the Defense Production Act. Or, I'm sorry, that, which was <laughs> that not the War Powers Act. You're right. Yeah. You're right. No, it, I mean, why yeah. not? I was just watching an article the other day. As more, or watching a story the other day, as more uh, people are going back to work, there's more need for the you know the masks and everything, the yes. personal protective equipment. And yet we're we're still lagging behind. You're like a competent like human society right. given six months to organize things like this. Right. Does this. Uh, to me it is a complete you know uh, uh, you know, what did he say back you know, April or May? Oh no, I don't take any responsibility at all. That is the thing. He has completely abdicated. He wants to be a king with the trapping of the king, his uh, family ready to take over the reins of power, correct side of creating a dynasty to last through the ages. How many years? But you might guess. Um, you know, it's it's disturbing. It's not American. And to just basically, you know, talk about denying aid to states because their governors were mean to him. Sure. Well, first off, when the Republicans, right, the people who worship John Wayne, <laughs> yeah, Ronald Reagan, this whiny wuss, right? Yeah. I mean, he's just such. Uh, the uh, gentle way to say it would be a weenie boy. You know, it's like, it's like, uh, he's the petty tyrant, the spoiled kid who never grew up, you know, um, and somehow he's supposed to be this paragon of manhood. At least George W. Bush, you know, looked you in the flight suit or whatever. You know, uh, I just don't understand how a party that reveres masculinity fell for such, uh, uh, like a facsimile of it. You know? Well, listen, and I, uh, I have a, I have a great many that, friends. It doesn't remind me of Hitler. It reminds me of Mussolini. There's a difference. Yeah. Well, you know, except Trump hasn't really made the trains run on time during the pandemic either. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. I mean, look, and, and I, I have friends who have gone all the way over and are just, I, I have one, and I will not mention his name either because he'd probably kill me. A friend who warned me <laughs> about the dangers of Trump in 2016, who the things coming out of his mouth these days in service of Donald Trump are not to be believed. So I fully understand all of what you're saying there. I, I will just say, though, writ large, as we're looking at this coming out of the two weeks here, my sense is, and I think the polls are showing this, so I'm going to say that I think in the general sense uh, that the conventions are, I would say, probably fairly negligible as far as how it goes for the election, because I think it's almost impossible to say that the Republicans had a better week than the Democrats. I, to me, you could make the case for them coming out even, but I don't think you could make the case for better. And every poll out there is showing that this thing has gone from a blowout for Biden to a solid lead for Biden, but no longer a blowout. We're getting to the tightening season, and here's the thing, Colin, I'm going to tell you this, though. I've, it is eerie how close it is to four years ago of where I'm hearing from people, like, like over the summer, okay, nobody wanted to vote for Trump, whatever, but then it, yeah. at that time it was the threat of Hillary. And now it's, I'm telling you, these riots and stuff, I have a friend, another one who I'm not good, I have a lot of friends that I don't want to name here because they would not want, uh, these are sensitive times, you know, what you say can and will be held against sure, you. Of course. Um, Absolutely who was pretty gung-ho for Biden, who today said, God help me, I might be voting for Trump because he was just ranting about the whole Kenosha rioting and that this is, this is taking over this whole thing. 
So this we are at we're at a point where I think it's a solid lead for Biden. My present projection would be probably a win somewhere along the lines of Obama in 08 versus or 2012. Uh, but the scenario where Trump gets close enough and he's got to be inside of five points, this is the first time I believe there's a scenario because if this rioting keeps going, if it can somehow surmount the coronavirus as concern number one, that's how Biden loses. Uh, okay. Uh, great points. Um, Thank you. I will say, uh, first, uh, uh, it would help if police would stop shooting unarmed black people, right? That would really cut down on the level of protest and uh, uh, strife in the streets. Just if police would stop shooting unarmed black men, women too, um, that would slow things down. Second, listen, uh, I am a political tactician, right? Um, uh, rioting. Uh, can be understandable, but it's rarely persuasive, especially when it goes on very long. Yeah. Right? One night of explosion can demonstrate passion. But when it goes on and on, it, it in the long term, hurts the field. Yeah. You know, it hurts the cause. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the stuff that's gone on in D.C. in the last couple of days, I've been in my neighborhood, you know, two friends of mine um, were uh, uh, <laughs> about a week ago a crowd went by, and they were uh, yelling at my friends to tip 25%. And my friend is like, oh, do you want me to tip that little? Because they're going to tip 50%, right? Uh -huh. I mean, those things are just <laughs> silly. They don't, they don't convert anybody. So right. what, um, what folks did with Rand Paul, it is very unlikely anybody was going to punch Rand Paul, right? Well, um, wait a minute. And he, he so actually, he sponsored, skills are, he are sponsored, he sponsored the legislation the, the Justice for Breonna Taylor Act or whatever it was. These illiterates, yeah. these drooling morons didn't realize they were accosting the guy who sponsored the bill in the Senate to take up the cause they wanted. I don't, I, you can't get stupid. Well, I'd, I'd have to look at the bill. I mean, Dude, the thing, the he's the sponsor. The take my word for it. He is the well, sponsor. Yeah, but, but just because it has a good name doesn't mean it's a good bill. I have to look at okay. it. Okay, how many other Republicans um, are sponsoring bills, Colin? That would be zero. I don't know about. Be... But, uh, but again, before, let me just say now, it was partway through what I was sure. about Rand Paul. Okay. What those protesters did was monumentally stupid, right? It was just monumentally stupid. Yeah. From an optics point of view, from a political tactical point of view, it's again what I was alluding, alluding to earlier, that there are people that just get a rush out of the action itself, and they are a danger, Right. You know, they're the same kind of people who stick around after wars, you know, because they can't get enough of the rush. Um, Colin, there, so, were, there were some of these idiots chanting, say her name, at, I repeat again, a guy who sponsored a Senate right. bill about the matter. They don't know public policy well, either is what they don't know. Well, again, um, uh, uh, forgive me if Democratic or, you know, liberal demonstrators, many of them are probably part of the left of the Democratic Party, aren't going to take anything, even if they knew they wouldn't take it seriously, because it's Rand Paul. <laughs> I mean, but wait a minute, but wait a minute, I mean, Rand, I'm sorry, Paul, I'm sorry, I'm Rand Paul has a strong libertarian streak. Rand is not the important part. But, but, Rand, part is, but Rand Paul is the most pro-Fourth Amendment guy in the Senate. If yeah. ever there's going to be anybody that's enough of a libertarian on there, he used to get under that's Obama's point, skin. Yeah. He used to get under Obama's skin for, for saying due process. So come on, I'm just saying, look at who you're going after. You're going after the due process yeah. guy, for God's yeah, sake. Again, they had no, uh, uh, again, 
uh, uh, their ignorance, I think, is completely understandable, right. but I also don't think it's the point. The point is that what they were doing broadly to anybody who walked out that door that they yelled at was counterproductive, right? Right. Because, and it's counterproductive because of the disinformation machine. You know, uh, 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 that is father for months of Fox News right there, right? Yeah. And the thing is, Fox News is always going to, it really doesn't matter what a Democrat says, because Fox News will just take it out of contact, like the, remember the legendary, you didn't build this line from Obama? What he was talking about is the business owner didn't build the roads and the railroads that got, you know, he didn't pay, you know, he didn't educate the workers who worked for him. He was getting the point that businesses depend on public investment. And yet the Republicans and Fox News together clipped that and just turned it into um, uh, Obama attacking business owners, right? When your opposition is that intellectually dishonest, it is difficult to take, you know, some of the legislation that seriously, right? Anyway, yeah. but I, I started well, off on this, and you're giving these guys ammunition, but it doesn't matter in some way whether Democrats give them ammunition because they'll go and ban it if they need it. Well, and even allowing for the context of the words, which you're right about as far as what Obama was saying, I still felt like, uh, and, and again, indicative of a general attitude of looking down your nose at small business owners and people in this country. I mean, I think, again, while... Go look through the speech. It was, uh, again, but I'm... I'm looking... Well, I'm also well, I'm also looking at eight years of a public policy record and other speeches that he's given when I say that I felt like he was kind of looking down his nose. I, I'm, I'm somewhat conceding your point there in that, yes, it wasn't, it, it was snipped out of it, but I don't you know, think, I got, I don't I think the context, tired. Well, I, I don't think, I don't think the context absolves him the way that you do. You, 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 you feel okay. it absolves him. I feel it, it paints a somewhat broader picture. I know, I didn't say, I didn't say anything absolved anybody. Okay. Whoa, what did I absolve well, people? Uh, like uh, of being anti-business. I mean, well, that's... Well, again, um, you're going to have to show me it's anti-business policies, and not something that a business coalition says is anti-business. You know, the policies have other ends, you know what I mean? Like, you're, you're, not, pollution. you're not a big <laughs> fan of N NFIB white papers? <laughs> yeah, y'all, listen, they desperately wanted me to join them. I mean, I'm a small business guy. They wanted me to join over the years, of course. Not giving those guys a dime. Um, I'll join the NRA. tactical point of view, it, it, it needs to be tool of those people rather than him himself, because him himself, you can't, you know, you can't sell. You know, this is a guy who stood up there side by side with Barack Obama. He's a strong man. Yeah. Uh, 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 and you can tell, when I say that, his, 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 you can see signs of cognitive decline, but what I see is times where he's trying to make a very complex point. And in the past, he would have had all these pieces of information right at hand to weave together. But what I see is him alluding to something that's very inside politics, 
when, you know, 10 years ago, he'd have been able to unpack it and make the point in real detail. But that's not, you know, a sign of, like, you know, crashing downhill, you know, like Ronald Reagan in 1988. You know what I mean? It's just it's just nowhere in the same league. I'll, I'll, gra- um, I'll grant you this. And, and I mean, Kamala Harris is no screaming lefty, for God's sake. The far left hates her. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, one of my favorite follows on Twitter, Michael Malice, uh, again, because uh, back during the primaries when he was doing a lot of signal boosting of uh, my favorite candidate in the Democratic field, because I at least like her foreign policy, Tulsi Gabbard, Michael Malice having... <laughs> Michael Malice... Straight from Russia! Yeah, well, again, if you believe all that crap. Uh, again, <laughs> Mike, Michael Malice with the, with the line of the year politically. I always yeah. heard that Hawaiians love to roast pigs. No, after what he did to Harris, remember, or she did. Remember what what Tulsi did to Harris? Come on now. Oh, I don't. She remember. she ended her she ended her career in the in the primaries. Basically, she you don't remember you don't remember Tulsi no, Gabbard no, dragging. No, career ended because her campaign was in disarray. No, she got uh, exposed. No, her, her campaign was not great. Tulsi said, "Jesus Christ, I'm a Democrat." Oh. Remember. Tulsi, yeah. How do you not? How do you not? How do you not remember Tulsi ending her on the spot? How do you not remember Tulsi leaving her as a gaping, smoking hole on the stage at the end of that thing there when she took her part for her drug war hypocrisy? failed because it was very poorly organized. Harris turned out to not be a great candidate, honestly. Uh, to me, this was um, one of these things where uh, deeply, re- you know, that that uh, campaigns reveal things about people. Yeah. Um, she hired her own sister to run her campaign. Yeah. So nobody could tell, you know, nobody could get anything past the sister. And you know, two of them together were not good at making decisions quickly. Now the Biden people basically got rid of all of her team and surrounded her with very experienced. Like people in the democratic policy and political world, right? Yeah. So to me, this is a training course in how to be president for her. They they say that uh, preparation for debates a lot of times is just about being in the right zone in the right mood. Having said that, any chance that Willie Brown is going to be part of her debate prep? <laughs> <laughs> I have no earthly idea. Uh, you know, Kamala and I don't talk here. Okay. So she's busy these days. Yeah. But uh, no, uh, uh, no, seriously, uh, you know, going back to the really big picture, you know, I think you're right on the, about the sense of of, of dislocation, right? Yeah. And very early, I thought, uh, very early on uh, in 2017, I guess, I remember thinking that it would be Biden plus uh, one of the Democratic women. I was originally thinking Gillibrand, and then somebody else was like, well, I mean, there are a lot of good women of color, too. So I'm like, oh, Harris, great, because she had just had the one of the good hearings, right, where she was a very good questioner. Um, so I, you know, among many others, was thinking Biden Harris was a, re, you know, a logical mix. But Biden is just such a reassuring figure, you know. Um, and, you know, the debates may be really critical. I mean, the debates are always pretty critical. Um, I think it'll be really critical this year because Trump is trying to portray this insane, out-of-control Biden. And Biden's just going to stand up there and be Biden. You know, he has done this hundreds of times, you know. He's very good at this. Uh, and Trump's not going to be able to stalk him around the stage, you know. <laughs> yeah, but but based, so, based on how, how Biden has done... In, in what should be layup statements and layup media appearances that he's made over the last couple of months. Look, I, I agree with uh, with Crystal Ball. 
uh, who always does a great job on uh, The Rising, which is one of my favorite political watches these days. The, the basement strategy is working. The more they can get away with that, oh, yeah. the, the better from, from that perspective. Uh, I, I'm not as sanguine about his prospects in the debates. And here's the other thing, too. Uh, again, I don't, I don't see all, you know, all the Trump partisans will talk about the parallels between now and 2016. I see very few of them because, again, he is an incumbent during a pandemic as opposed to a challenger. Having said that, though, the one similarity I see is this, is that, like I said, uh, the, the, uh, over the summer, I didn't hardly, in 2016, I didn't hardly know anybody that was going to vote for him. But this whole, that, that thing they talk about, about coming home, whatever, like that's been in American politics at least as far back as uh, 68, when LBJ and, and that, that last-minute pieces at hand, you know, that kind of thing there, trying to bring the Democrats home, and he almost pulled it off for Humphrey. Trump was able to bring the Republicans home in the fall of 2016 because of fear of Hillary. And basically, what, yeah. what I, I see the similarity in this sense, that when the summer is about the general news cycle, and that's where he was just getting decimated by Hillary, and he got decimated worse by Biden with the way that this pandemic has gone. To me, the start of the conventions is everything between now and the election. It's all political season. It's all neener, neener, neener season with the debates. Trump is the king of neener, neener, neener. And in retrospect, he dominated from the point at which Hillary was way up. In retrospect, he dominated to come back to get to that point, even if we couldn't see it at the time. I mean, there was the, that weekend in October when it looked like his campaign was over after the Access Hollywood stuff, but that was all misdirection. Uh, Access Hollywood, that yeah. is a great moment to bring up WikiLeaks. Yeah. Right. Go well, back to 2016. Yeah. WikiLeaks, you know, Roger Stone calls up WikiLeaks, and half an hour later they drop the bomb, right? Yeah. That was, that was collusion <laughs> with Russia. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, so many, listen, anyone who says they know what's going to happen in November, it's insane. Uh, in 2016, I didn't predict, I didn't say, yes, I think Trump is going to win, but I'm like, there is a damn good chance it could win. Brexit, for one thing, showed. Yeah. Um, and Brexit, the Brexit vote and the American 2016 vote were similar in that a lot of people, especially younger people, just didn't vote, right? The thing is, with Hillary, you know, you've got literally a 30-year, going back to when she was, you know, when Bill was governor for the first time, 30 years of, of uh, conservative media sliming her. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to defend the Clintons, right? They did plenty of things to themselves. But she, in particular, was um, just demonized in a way that I don't think a man would have been, frankly. Um, and uh, Biden... Barack Obama says hi. <laughs> Um, and remember, Obama won by eight points. She only won by two points. Uh -huh. um, so the popular vote slipped by six points. But um, I, for one, like, am working. Uh, Democrats are not going to repeat the mistakes of 2016. Um, I think one thing you should always keep in mind is the margin in the national vote to the House of Representatives in 2018. Uh, traditionally, uh, Republicans uh, tend to do better in off-year elections. They're voters are older, they tend to vote more frequently or more regularly. Um, but, uh, uh, but uh, Dems won by, I believe, around eight points. Also, okay. though, midterms, so, are, midterms are bad for incumbents, though, so that was part of it. Well, absolutely, although, you know, uh, it, we can go into that another time, but, um, uh, again, if uh, 
just looking at the voter patterns, there were a lot of shifts away. Oh, it was worse than usual. It was worse than usual for an incumbent, but I'm just saying incumbents, you know, that they're they're always doing bad in, in midterms by and large. Yeah, and you blame yeah, 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 exactly. That's why Democrats are planning for twenty twenty two. Yeah. But a bunch of us, like I'm doing work aimed at some very specific uh state legislative districts in a few states. Um, I'm working with an organization that works with uh celebrities who are from these rural areas and uh they make video content and, you know, we'll uh, get it out of Facebook and get it out to their own communities, right? And it's progressive issues. So you're trying to stimulate issue-based voting. Um, although also in a place like, you know, rural America, you know, I'm from East Texas, uh, uh, a liberal idea you're never going to encounter in the wild in its natural state. You're only going to encounter it in a, a very mutated state. So uh, I'm happy that we're going to have some progressive messaging in these communities. But multiply that by thousands. Um, the campaign is on the ground in 17 states, the Biden campaign. They um, aren't really going door to door yet, but they're doing plenty of phone calls. Um, they're doing uh, lots of uh, online outreach, and um, uh, you know you're going to have literally hundreds of uh, get out the vote organizations targeting particular regions or communities or you know uh, uh, ethnic groups, languages, whatever, um, to to try to mobilize people and get them out. You know, obviously labor unions. Um, where in 2016, the campaign had on its hands. They didn't even run polls the last month. They just relied on their own analytics, and they missed what was going on. Uh, and then the Comey letter. And then Hillary's own missteps and stupidities here and there, right? Like, so many things had to go right. Um, to me, if the Democrats don't get the Senate, it's entirely meaningless. Because Mitch McConnell is not going to allow a Democratic president to do anything, right? Democrats have to win the Senate if they want to get anything done. So that's what's on the line to me. Well, that is the, the, the way that the Senate could go is definitely uh, very important uh, in all of this, no question. Uh, about it. Uh, something that I want to mention here before we come all the way yeah, around. I, I do need a head in a bit. <laughs> yeah, well, I will, alright, I will, I will bring it around on, on, on this note. And just, just, alright, just, just to ask you, uh, toward the end here, because, uh, just somebody that I want to mention with some respect toward the end of the program. I may have been perhaps the, in fact, everybody know perhaps to it. I, I would say the unlikeliest, maybe fan is strong. Too strong of a word, but enthusiast, somebody who was amused by the Michael Brooks show and uh, was very saddened by his passing this summer here. Uh, I don't know if in your particular side of the leftosphere, uh, Colin, if you had much opportunity to take in the guy's show, but somebody very talented, uh, very funny. I don't know radio. I don't know radio. Okay, well, it's in uh, podcasting. It, it is a, a uh, it is a spinoff of, ironically, a show that I don't have a lot of use for, The Majority Report. It was a spinoff of that. And uh, it, it, a thing where, let me tell you how funny this guy was. I, I, heard, I heard an impression that he did. He was doing what I considered to be an extremely unfair, demagogic, uh, you know, imitation of Rand Paul. And yet, so spot on with the voice. So funny. I'm sitting there. I'm wearing a Rand Paul t-shirt at the time, and I'm laughing my balls off. Like, damn you, Michael Brooks, but that's funny. <laughs> so, that's, that's talent, man. That's talent. When you, when you can... <laughs> When you could make it somebody, it me that you guys know that much how Rand Paul sounds. I mean, he it so, was a, it yeah. was a thing where, and I'm totally incapable of doing the voice, but the impression was something along the lines of, "I came to Washington D.C. to fulfill my one true dream, 
which is to make sure that poor people never have health care. <laughs> I, like, I mean, the voice was so spot Like, how could I not laugh, right? The voice was so spot on. I'm going, man, there's a couple of Rad Paul Facebook groups I could get expelled for for laughing at this, but I don't care. It's funny. So uh, rest in peace, Michael Brooks, uh, a great talent, somebody who I don't agree with at all politically, but uh, I, I, one of the one of the great ones out there uh, in the podcasting world. So, again, we'll, we'll see what happens here. I think you and I both see this at this point as, as Biden being a, a relatively solid favorite at the moment, but uh, not an unblowable race at this point by any stretch of the imagination. I, I almost thought it was, you know. Democratic activists have learned that no race is ever unblowable. Well, exactly, exactly. But, you know, and, and, and Biden, through the course of his career, who, who had never even... Uh, done well in Democratic primaries, had, had, had been abysmal failures in both 1988 and 2008, and really the first part of 2020 until this miracle coalescing behind him. Uh, yeah, again, not exactly Mr. Impregnable, uh, but, uh, you know, all it takes is uh, being at the right place and the right time, and when you're running against Trump in a pandemic, that might be all it takes. So I think, uh, you know, I think so much of it ultimately is going to go down to, do people feel like they can take four more years of this? You know? Yeah. Um, and I think for a lot of people, you know, who might otherwise be on the fence, it's just this exhaustion. Please don't do this to me anymore. It's like you've been, you know, we've been, been tapped with a cattle prod too many times, you know? Yeah. Well, that's where Trump we'll is see, up. But we'll see. But it's definitely not unblowable. <laughs> no, it is not unblowable. And uh, hopefully we can get a chance to uh, get another one in here with you uh, not long before the election and uh, see where things stand and yeah. uh, see what our thoughts well, are on that. But. Uh, Just remember, election day is a process now. It is. So even by the third debate, a lot of ballots will have been cast. Uh, exactly. And as they say in the city of Chicago, vote early, vote often. So, uh, <laughs> <you know. laughs> so we'll have to... Love to see how this breaks in. How many extra votes get harvested along the way? You know, that's always an oh, interesting thing. I, I, I think uh, if anyone tries to pull that off, they'll get get found out pretty darn quick. You have more faith in the process than I do, Colin. But uh, you know. I have faith in the number of people who are watching the process <laughs> on all sides. You know. Uh, to me, a lot of them are on the take as well. But we'll we'll see how this all. <laughs> You just got to find the right big city, Colin. They're all crooked. So <laughs> go to the closest one around, and you shouldn't have any trouble finding a uh, spot I there. Want to thank you very much. Yes, there you go. There you go. Well, you know, from your base in the big city here, thank you so much for being a part of this again. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this mini episode of the FPH Lounge.